Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. But are Susan Collins, Jeff Flake, and Lisa Murkowski moved by that kind of behavior? Are they moved by Christine Blasey Ford, who was composed, emotional, very deferential? All of them have talked a big anti-Trump game at various times. But in the end, normally when the chips are down, they end up voting with Donald Trump. If I'm being cynical, I look at this and go, maybe by turning it into a giant partisan food fight and by Lindsey Graham acting like a fucking lunatic and all that, <laughs> maybe it's enough. And they fold to Donald Trump again. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 4th of October, year of our Lord, 2018. What a day early. Got enough doggone material, that's for sure. Your humble host is literally sitting in his bunker today. I have a 45 on my hip, a 9 mil on my rack across my chest, an AR in the room with me with multiple magazines. I'm living in a police state, for Christ's sake. We have a crazy man on the loose. Um, you know, for those that uh, been with the podcast a long time. I live out in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. And we have had a guy who has uh, attacked, ended up killing a young la- uh, old, young lady. She was in her 60s. Tried to um, steal their shit. He's a meth addict. And tried to burn the house down. The husband escaped. The wife didn't. He then uh, did the same thing to another lady, but somebody interrupted him before he could kill her. He stole two cars in the process, crashed both cars. Uh, Two days ago, he walked up on an elderly man out in the rural area. He was getting in his car, and he shot and killed him, stole the car, crashed the car. And it's less than four miles away from my house. Um, It is out in the sticks, and we have been sleeping with the wolf pack out of their cages. Uh... We slept in the living room a couple nights so you can hear better with the dogs. And, uh, yeah, I'm not paranoid, but I'm paranoid. Uh, I go out every morning and clear the whole damn yard with uh, AR and go, because I feel more comfortable than AR. That's what I carry in the Army. And then wait for my wife to get in. I escorted her out for a while, but there's enough cops out now that I just let her drive. But I clear the car, clear the area, clear the area before she comes home. And... Even my younger son is a little concerned, which is surprising um, because he's still living that life that I used to live where you don't ever fear anything. Um, Crazy. Can't catch this guy. Um, Most of us believe he's probably gone, but they keep on having sightings. Yesterday morning, there was a sighting of him uh, walking up on somebody's porch with a rifle or yeah, he's got a rifle now and uh, they blasted the lights and he ran and that started a whole new round of searches but they they just can't find them so if you hear some crinkling it is my tack vest it's easier to carry the shit than you know i'm wearing shorts so it's not like i could put on a pistol pistol belt and uh, sling my pistol and i can't conceal it in a pair of nike freaking uh, oregon duck shorts so that's how we're living right now driving around with a gun and you know it's it's a little different it's a little different, but we started uh, how we ended last podcast. You know, I love what Lindsey Graham said, but as you know, uh, liberals hate anybody 
that says the truth. So there was uh, that idiot Heilman uh, going off on it. We uh, have multiple hate on him. Lindsey Graham sat down with Atlantic's Jeffrey Goldberg. Saturday, Lindsey Graham, I don't like what the president said last night. I'm the first person to say I want to hear from Dr. Ford. I thought she was handled respectfully. I thought Kavanaugh was treated like crap. The audience booed. Yeah, well, boo yourself, he says. Booed by the audience when he said Kavanaugh was treated like crap. Senator Lindsey Graham responds, yeah, well, boo yourself. It was a big thing online. Um he further said, Lindsey Graham on Christy Blasey Ford, this is what happens when you go through a trailer park with a $100 bill and on Donald Trump's victorious mocking a sexual assault victim, everything he said was actually true. Um, they went on to dog him, but he is right, as we'll see. It's more and more worse than it was last podcast. More facts have come out. It's clearly obvious this is um, a total hit job. And the hate... Because of it, uh, keeps going. Uh, Mitch McConnell badgered at an airport by activists. And once again, they're activists. The media treats them like it's normal ladies. Later on, we'll have who made Jeff Flake, who's a Democrat, buckle and, and vote with the Dems. Well, most of the media didn't say it, but she's part of Soros's move on. She's not a normal person. Normal people don't have time during their day to go protest Kavanaugh. They're working. But it, it keeps wrapping up. Vandals covered a Republican office in Illinois with the word rape. The Winnebago County Republican headquarters in Illinois was vandalized with the word rape written multiple times in spray paint. According to RR Star, police officers noticed the graffiti before 10 a.m. on Sunday. In addition to the word rape, vandals scrawled shame. 9-27-18, the date Judge Kavanaugh testified. A spokesman, I hope whoever's responsible for this is brought to justice. You are a coward for doing this unless you come forward. And they're right. That's just one. Jennifer Bendry, Representative Andy Harris, Maryland, just had his office doors pushed through and was assaulted by demonstrators. A Capitol Police officer tells me another little detail. Per Capitol Police officer, Harris was trying to hold his office door closed but was not successful. Also, the demonstrators were smoking weed. They have got their base so ratcheted up in the hopes they'll vote, but they really don't care because they keep telling them to harass people that Senate Judiciary members have to be escorted through the protesters. Escorted. And this week, even though the media didn't really cover it a lot because they don't care, left is so tolerant it hurts, at least there seems to be some of their best and brightest are hoping. News, a hazmat team was dispatched to Ted Cruz campaign office in Houston this morning to investigate a mailed envelope containing powdery white substance. It's not yet clear whether it's toxic or not. Yeah, multiple fire trucks, at least one hazmat truck, were spotted on the scene after the letter was opened by campaign staff and reported to authorities. The substance has yet to be identified, but according to Houston Fire Department, two people have been taken to the hospital after being exposed. They were just young staffers. Oh, Tony, it's an isolated incident. Defense Department Secretary Mattis and Navy top officers in suspected ricin attack at the Pentagon. Same concept. Yeah. They got him fired up. 
U.S. Capitol Police issued a press release Wednesday evening announcing they made an arrest in the doxing of Republican senators while they were at the hearing testimony for Supreme Court Brett Kavanaugh. Police arrested 27-year-old Democratic staffer Jackson Costco for doxing three GOP senators. Doxing puts at risk the personal safety and victims of the family. Jackson Costco, this is the man who doxed Republican senators during the Kavanaugh. He has mostly worked with Sheila Jackson Lee. All over, haven't covered it. There's a video of her tossing money to the uh, envelope to the lawyer of Blasey Ford. This has got me to believe the left is just like ISIS. They're, they're no different than ISIS. Their base is so zealous, they don't care what they do. So to go into fire for effect, I'm going to play Mitch McConnell getting harassed with the sounds of Ali Akbar. Ali Akbar did not get played in the Middle East. This is Germany, my friends. This is what will happen to our country if you let the left take it the fuck over. I've never talked like that. Both parties are fucked up. But the base resistance of the left, if they take over this country, we will end up just like Europe is right now. A small minority of zealots controlling a country. Why won't you look at her? We morgens um Especially women of color who are also a lot of victims. Is this what your constituents going to say? Is Alle wird angebrüllt, ein Bürger, die da arbeiten müssen, kann nicht mehr schlafen. Es werden immer mehr von diesen Gesetzen. Das ist nicht mehr noch. Wir werden knallig. Alle wird angebrüllt, ein Bürger, die da arbeiten müssen, können nicht mehr schlafen. Es werden immer mehr von diesen
Now, I do believe he probably blacked out in college. Lots of college people, kids black out, black out. Here is what one of his college friends said to Chris Cuomo. There had to be a number of nights where he does not remember. In fact, I was witness to the night that he got tapped into that fraternity, and he was stumbling drunk in a ridiculous costume saying really dumb things. And I can almost guarantee that there's no way that he remembers that night. If Kavanaugh lied on Thursday, does that make him a fit Supreme Court justice? But let's look at what you're talking about. I watched that interview with Chris Cuomo with another uh, former classmate as well. That woman said, I think he drank too much, but I didn't see any inappropriate sexual behavior. Blacking out is a very specific question when you can't remember anything that happened. He is the only person, Brian, who can answer that question. How dare anyone say that they know can get into the innermost part of his soul and tell him when he blacked out and when he didn't? Essentially, on Fox News, the reactions were very different than the reactions on right. MSNBC. What we were seeing were folks saying, Kavanaugh now, he's dug himself out of the hole that he was in. He has a fighting chance here. People were praising his anger and his mm -hmm. rage. Uh, and to your point, he wouldn't, we wouldn't have seen that if it was a woman. No, absolutely, absolutely not. And I think part of the reason so many on the right were really praising this sort of like rageful diatribe that he went on was that he was really epitomizing this moment of backlash that we're in among entitled white men who are furious about being finally held to account. It wasn't just about this hearing. It was about the broader movement that's been happening over the last year. We're at the Me Too anniversary this Friday, exactly. which is when the FBI investigation is due, is literally the one-year anniversary of the first Harvey Weinstein story in the New York right. Times. Right. And I think for a lot of conservatives, seeing him act in that way was what they have been waiting to see, right? Like, they mm. wanted that moment of backlash. They wanted that moment of pushback. He looked like a conservative radio host. He sounded like he a sounded conservative like talk Jones. show host. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. I he sounded like Sean Hannity. He, he expressed the kind of resentment and fury uh, right. that they express on, on the radio every day. Right. And it was, again, coming from this place of, I can't even, I mean, the disdain in his voice, right? To, I can't even believe I have to be here and answer these questions. I want to try to drill down on something. We were just talking to Frank Figlesi, a former FBI officer, a top-ranking officer, and he says that his sources, who are very good sources in the Bureau, tell him that they are still pretty much handcuffed that yes more witnesses follow-up witnesses can be interviewed but the issues are only the initial allegations from dr ford of a sexual attack not lying not drinking not uh, whether he was rude or showed belligerence to senators such as yourself is that the parameter of this follow-up investigation and is that all that will be considered before you go to a vote a woman came forward here uh, and you're saying basically she said nothing credible. How can women come forward if when they do, they're, they're told they're not credible? So that a woman thinking about coming forward will have it immediately turned into a partisan issue, as you've done it. Her, her issues are not being discussed by you. You haven't discussed them since you've been here. I don't, know what, I don't know what the FBI is going to find that the committee has not already found. The, the committee staff has already interviewed all the witnesses that Ms. Ford cited. They interviewed Ms. Ford and Judge Kavanaugh for six hours Well, they haven't interviewed Thursday. Mr. Judge. He sent them a letter. That wasn't an interview. So but you're not right they, about that. So they've either interviewed them or they've received well, letters, letters under penalty of perjury. Well, I'd that's be, different. Now these are so, actual interviews. So I'd be surprised if any of these people under penalty of perjury change 
their statements that they've already given the judiciary. Well, surprise, but that's why we have investigations. Wrestle stuff to the ground, have a neutral fact pattern. Clearly, the members of the committee on the Republican side want Kavanaugh to be uh, confirmed. So why should people who want him to be confirmed be in charge of an investigation? Why not have neutral observers wrestle the facts to the ground, which is what's happening now? So it's not a waste of time. If it turns out that he was not truthful about something that has nothing to do with what allegedly happened 36 years ago, truthfulness is still something you want in a Supreme Court nominee, though. Is that relevant? What are you talking about, John? But if it turns out in the course of the FBI investigation, so if his if are his you with the Democrats and they want to have an open-ended fishing expedition, I think that's not fair, Senator. I, su I strongly suspect that every statement that was made to the Judiciary Committee under penalty of perjury is the exact same statement that's going to be made to the FBI. And we'll know in a week. Thank you, Senator Cotton. With the Kennedys, you're, yeah. you're, you're um, including with President Kennedy. Um, you write glowingly about Ted Kennedy. I want to ask you because I've heard Ted Kennedy's name invoked in the last week or two and Bill Clinton's name invoked in the last week um, by conservatives saying, you know, Democrats ceded the moral high ground on a lot of these sexual assault and sexual harassment issues by standing by people like Bill Clinton and Ted Kennedy because of the good things in their view that they did. Well, no, I think that's what, I, I don't think that's an accurate way to say it. Um, many of us were very critical of President Clinton on the choice he made with respect to what happened in the White House. We just didn't believe, I didn't believe, let me speak for myself, that it was an impeachable offense. That's the issue. And, and uh, what about Ted Kennedy? Uh, similarly, people have been critical through the years where, and he was critical of himself. He stood up and owned moments where he knew he'd stepped over the line. So I think that, that, and he wasn't about to be nominated to a position. In fact, he said to the people of Massachusetts, if you think I shouldn't stay here, then, you know, and he took those returns and then he was elected another six times. That's a very different thing from a lifetime confirmation to the Supreme Court of the United States where you may have to rule on some of these issues that come up. And, and so, uh, you know, I think, uh, who was it today? Uh, there was a poll written about, the, the, oh, it was Larry Tribe. And Larry Tribe, you know, may come from a particular uh, ideology and place in the spectrum, but he's a highly distinguished constitutional law professor, mm -hmm. somebody who was talked about years about being on the Supreme Court, but who, frankly, became part of that generation that wasn't able to ever be nominated because they written too much. It was too much out there for people to play games with. So now we have this sort of vanilla uh, process by which justices, doesn't mean they're not smart, doesn't mean they're not capable justices. They're avoiding conflict. Yeah. But it avoids uh, answering an awful lot of questions. The, the, nomina the, the con confirmation process has really become uh, how effectively can you avoid key questions on what you might do or what you've done. And, uh, I, you know, it's too bad because I think it's a lot to unpack, but I gotta, I gotta just say Mitchell saying Kavanaugh was rude to the Dems. Get the fuck out of here. That man's life has been destroyed by false accusations. Numerous people come forward, totally fucking lying. Lazy Ford story is like, Swiss cheese and she can't really prove anything but he's rude then there was Tom Cotton I really want to ask you and I, I was really commiserating over where to play that soundbite have you ever heard a dim senator talk to like that a representative have you ever ever 
That's a major news anchor talking to him like he's a piece of fucking shit. And then, you know, for fun shits and giggles, uh, John Kerry literally saying how Ted Kennedy was such a great stellar person, even though he fucking killed a girl and left her to drown. Okay. That played fine on the media. They didn't even think for a second that, whoa, that's probably a stretch. He fucking killed someone. Sung Kim Yim. Uh, Ford's lawyers tell Grassley they will provide her therapy notes, polygraphed out of the FBI once she is interviewed. That hasn't happened as of now. Senator Tom Cotton, because I got to let him get a blowback. Let's quit calling them Ford's lawyer. They're Democratic operatives. They could have provided notes in July. If notes incriminated Kavanaugh and corroborated allegations, they would have released it. What has been shared to the media is exculpatory. Draw your own conclusion. But White House Press Secretary Raj Shaw put together a good list. And I don't like using stuff from administrations because it's biased. But I kind of believe everything on this is true. I mean, you can't refute it. Number one. Given the avalanche of biased, unfair, and downright false reports, I want to share some of the top media smears against Kavanaugh. In a fact check, New York Times claims Judge Kavanaugh said he did not drink to excess, then fact check supposed claim. But under oath, he said, sometimes I had too many beers. WAPO is engaged in the same sleight of hand. I don't know if New York Times and WAPO don't understand the definition of the word they use, but according to the dictionary, excess is defined as immoderate or abnormal amount, number, extent, or degree, too much or too many. The New York Times is hyped 33-year-old scrape at a bar in which Judge Kavanaugh was accused of throwing fucking ice, which we'll get into later, and not arrested or charged with anything. Why does this matter? The reporter writing the story went on to report trashing Judge Kavanaugh on purely ideological grounds that might be uh, night he was nominated, previewing her bias. This is supposed to be a straight news report. NBC News ran a suspicious report about an anonymous person claiming Kavanaugh sexually assaulted his girlfriend his girlfriend in 1998, sitting Judge Dabney Frederick, went public five days ago to refute the claim, calling it offensive and absurd. NBC has yet to update its report after Judge Frederick's comment. NBC News also ran an unver- unverified Facebook post from a Dr. Four classmate claiming knowledge in the school in the early 80s of alleged assault. Before NBC story posted, the woman had deleted her post, acknowledged no firsthand knowledge, and shunned the press. In addition, Dr. Ford had already told Walpo she never detailed the incident to anyone at the time and later testified that she told no one, but the story, which was appropriate, referred to as trash article, remains on NBC website. There have been many, many more, as this is just the tip of the iceberg, but the media-induced smear campaign has lost all semblance of objectivity. Sean Davis backs him up. Kavanaugh's a gang rapist. Okay, not a gang rapist, but a serial rapist. Not a serial rapist, but a rapist. Okay, not a rapist, but a blackout drunk. Not a blackout drunk, but an alcoholic. Not an alcoholic, but he drinks beers. Okay, just threw ice at somebody in the 80s. Somebody jokingly said, can ice verify the story, or will it melt under pressure? Which I thought was pretty funny. The, the left is so fired up, Jonathan Lemire sums it up. Overheard at a coffee shop, a boy about 10 looking through today's New York Times, sees Kavos story. Dad, he asks, what's rape? It's no different than Clinton. I'll, I'll give you that. The media went on a fucking craziness and kids learned about spunk stains on dresses. Where did the president put that cigar? It's inappropriate. 
but the media doesn't care. The ICE thing, New York Times published a bombshell about Supreme Court nominee Kavanaugh reportedly throwing ICE and another bar patron at an undergraduate at Yale and being questioned in New Haven Police. As an undergraduate student at Yale, Brett Kavanaugh was involved in altercation at a local bar, during which he was accused of throwing ice on a person, according to a police report. Hmm. The piece was written by Emily Bazelong. She's an opinion writer. We've covered her on this show for crazy far-left resistance shit. The night he was being... The, the night of the testifo- testimony, or the day before... He was to do his testimony. As a Yale law school grad and lecturer, I strongly disassociate myself from tonight's praise of Brett Kavanaugh. With respect to he's a fifth vote from a hard right turn to voting rights and so much more that will harm the democratic process and prevent more equal society. These are fundamental values we try to instill in our students. They matter more than collegiality and credentials. That's Emily Baselong. That's not a reporter. That's an opinion writer, a staff writer. They felt so pressure, they finally put out. Emily Baselong is a writer for New York Times Magazine, Associate writes op-eds for the opinion section. She's not a news reporter. Her role in the story was to help colleagues in the newsroom gather public documents in New Haven, where Emily is based. And retrospect, editors should have used a newsroom reporter for the assignment. To be clear, the story is straightforward, fact-based, and we fully stand behind it, even though it was written by an opinion person. Yeah, well, you know, fuck it. It's okay. Anything we can get. Throwing ice on somebody, even if he did it. That's not assault, folks. It's ice. But what can you do when even the ACLU has put out a video, their tweet, when we said we're going to use a full force of ACL to stop Brock Kavanaugh, we meant it. We're spending more than $1 million to run ads like this in Nebraska, Colorado, West Virginia, and Alaska. Not going to play because it's mostly words, but basically they're likening him to Clinton now because Clinton's bad, I guess. Harvey Weinstein, a guy that was accused of putting his hand over somebody's mouth. That's all he did. There, there is no, there's no proof that he did anything. AG conservative gets some blows back. The media is the enemy. No other way to put it. They have lied intentionally over and over again in the last few weeks, and no one bothers to check. Why would they ever bother to check? They're not concerned with facts or reality, even about clicks and taps. No, no, no. The media has truly been weaponized by progressives and Democrats, and at the end of the day, all they really matter to any of them is destroying those who disagree with them. Look at the nonsense they're pushing about Kavanaugh, throwing ice and swearing. If that's horrible enough to keep someone off SCOTUS, 99.999999 of us would never serve in any position. After this screed, I just got home to see a DM about new breaking story from NBC that supposedly makes Kavanaugh look bad. I see every reporter in my timeline tweeting it, so I decide to check it out. Here is the story. Text messages suggest Kavanaugh wanted to refute accusers' claim before it became public. The former classmate of the Supreme Court nominee has reached out to the FBI, but hasn't received a response. 
The story suggests that based on a secondhand text between two people who know Kavanaugh, he was seeking evidence to exonerate himself from allegations from Debbie Ramirez. Again, no evidence he's asking anyone to lie or do anything wrong, just exonerate him. That's weird. Doesn't seem that bad for Kavanaugh, so must be a catch, right? Well, the whole story is framed to make it look shady that he wants to exonerate himself before accusation went public. He puts out a whole long screed, but basic thing is, NBC ran with whatever they could get. Because they just want to attack him. This just takes Chuck Todd and Chris Saliza and puts a spotlight on them. And and we'll play something in a bit. They just can't see it. They don't see they're biased. They only know one worldview. They don't get out of the bubble. They, They don't remember what it's like in the middle of the country. They try to speak for us, but they don't know us. So he always says in the middle of the country, he doesn't feel this way, the base, it's always the base. No, polls are showing. We'll get it in stats of the day. This is not going well for the Democrats. But it's just, once again, iceberg tips, slate. Senator Grassley wants to f- the feds to prosecute random guy in Rhode Island for making false statements. Whole articles on that, almost every news site. That's bad now. Illinois Times <clears throat> took it to the next level. They wanted to get their clickbait. Issued a clarification Monday afternoon, making clear that cartoonist Chris Britt is a freelance and not an employee of the newspaper. Here's how the paper statement appeared. Clarification regarding the Judge Kavanaugh cartoon by Chris Britt. While Chris Britt is a regular contributor to Illinois Times, he is not an employee and also engages in work for other publications across the country. The recent cartoon involving Kavanaugh's daughter was posted on Chris's own Facebook page. did not appear in our publication or on our website. The Illinois Times name should not have appeared on the cartoon in question, and we've asked Britt to remove it. What was the cartoon? Kavanaugh's daughter says another prayer. Dear God, forgive my angry, lying, alcoholic father for sexually assaulting Dr. Ford. People from the area. Tuma make a CERN, Illinois Times. I would like to formally lodge a protest at the disgraceful sketch by your cartoonist, Chris Britt, depicting a 10-year-old daughter, Judge Brett Kavanaugh. It contrives every standard of decency in our society. Please remove it. So you think that's the bottom, right? Somebody asked, why should we respect the media? Because Washington Post senior political editor Aaron Blank isn't making a very compelling case with his take on Lindsey Graham calling Democrats out for Brett Kavanaugh. Were Merrick Garland dead, he would be setting a modern record for grave spitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a reporter talking about Garland. That's what Democrats do. New Yorker's Jane Meyer, for instance, Meyer, who co-authored the New Yorker piece on Kavanaugh's accuser Deborah Ramirez with Rona Farrow, and who presented an unvetted and unverified accusation against Brett Kavanaugh's fact, is back at work trying to dig up dirt with the bottom of the barrel. If you knew Brett Kavanaugh at Yale and have any relevant information about him, please send a text to New Yorker's Jane Myers at 202 blah blah blah. Please share. She put her phone out. Walter Olson sums it up. 2018, the year of weaponizing college friendship. The media has even pulled out Parkland activists. 
On Friday, Parkland survivor and anti-gun activist Emma Gonzalez took to Twitter to bash white boy Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. Gonzalez, 18, urged her 1.6 million plus Twitter followers that were forced on him because everybody got them in their feed, whether they wanted them or not, to, to make sure they talked to their senators. The future of our country deserves more than a privileged white boy who spent his whole life over drinking and can't answer a simple question without acting more immature about it than a four-year-old. This is from the girl who told people to go fuck themselves and talked horribly. I'm supposed to once again take advice from her. And, and to make it matters worse, we have a soundbite of Donnie Deutsch saying the very same thing. White boy. Rich white boy. From a rich white boy himself and of course john legend did lena dunham whoopie whoopie goldberg they're all gonna go out they're all gonna protest because this once again has nothing to do with right or wrong nothing to do with blazy ford even though now she's a millionaire because she's got one million dollars on her gofundme account this is about politics so my hope is that just beyond the vicious partisan rancor that is going on, beyond the accusations, we don't lose sight of what this moral moment is about in this country. And ultimately ask ourselves a question, is this the right person to sit on the highest court in the land for a lifetime appointment when their credibility has been challenged by intimates, people that knew the candidate well as a classmate? When his temperament has been revealed in an emotional moment where he used language that, that frankly shocked a lot of us. And then ultimately, not whether he's innocent or guilty, this is not a trial, but ultimately, has enough questions be raised that we should not move on to another candidate. And that long list put together by the Heritage Foundation and the Federal Society, move on to another candidate because ultimately the Supreme Court is not an entitlement. Just because you went to Yale or were president of your class doesn't entitle you to the Supreme Court. This is a sacred institution. And the people that should be on it, whether you disagree with their political or judicial philosophy at all, the people who should be on the Supreme Court should preserve the integrity of the court and be beyond the reproach. Senator, we were talking about this yesterday, and you said regardless of what the FBI finds, you are going to vote no on Kavanaugh because you disagree with him on substance, and you have since the beginning. If the FBI, though, does not find anything conclusive or anything that would be a smoking gun or any serious or direct corroborations of any of the allegations, would you understand why a couple of your colleagues, Senator Heitkamp or Senator Manchin, would end up voting yes? After all, they're in, they're in really red states and they're facing competitive re-election fights. I would understand their views and their vote in any event. I would continue to urge them, however, very strongly that they vote against Judge Kavanaugh because I think he'd be a vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. He'd be a fifth vote that would eliminate people's right to marry the person they love for women's side when they want to become <clears throat> pregnant, for workers' rights, other rights. So I think our core principles and values would be violated. Well, let me ask you what the Democratic calculus is here to put this in very stark political terms. If a sinking a nomination to the Supreme Court means losing a couple Senate seats instead of gaining some Senate seats or protecting Senate seats, would that be worth it? There is no more important vote than I will cast on this nomination to the United States Supreme Court. And I believe that by two of 
lack of temperament and fist for office, as was demonstrated so gravely in that last when he threatened and came to us of revenge and arrogance and acrimony that this man should not be on the Supreme Court. So I would continue to urge my colleagues to vote against him. And we need to educate the American people about the reasons for those decisions so that, in fact, they will be on the side of my colleagues. They will support them for them. Sums it up perfectly. Booker, doesn't matter if it's guilty. Blumenthal, if you don't think like us, we need to re-educate you. It's, it's a theme lately. When they can't get what they want, when the polls don't work their way, you're an idiot, not us. You're the rapist. Yeah. There's even pictures with Amy Klobuchar with Keith Ellison. Yeah. Keith Ellison. Frank Thorpe the Fourth, Thorpe the Fifth, sorry, nine dem on Senate Judiciary Committee, all D's except Chris Coons, sent letter to FBI with a list of 24 people, entities they believe the FBI should interview as part of their supplemental background investigation allegation against Judd Kavanaugh. A couple of days ago, we, we are calling for independent FBI investigation. Let the FBI do its job. Today, here's a list. We demand you investigate them. Beyond parody. And he's right. Maxine Waters, Kavanaugh. So many have come forward describing your abuse of alcohol. I think it's important that America people know if you have ever sought treatment for alcohol abuse. One of the best replies. So many have come forward noticing your increased insane rhetoric, unhinged demeanor, and mental instability. I think it's important that American people know if you have ever sought treatment for mental insanity. And the fallout is starting. Senator McCaskill falls behind GOP opponent after opposing Kavanaugh. It's a hotly contested race now because people don't like it. She was leading easily. Now she's losing 48 to 46. 49% of the people asked said this whole Kavanaugh shit has affected their decision. There's others. John Don- Joe Donnelly in Indiana, John Tester in Montana, would like to roll the dice, proposing a no vote. Others like Senator Manchin in West Virginia, where Kavanaugh enjoys a 59% approval, have elected to remain on the fence. But Chuck Schumer is going to force all of them to vote no. Another article, this is from The Hill. They did it because they're worried. Red State Dems face nightmare scenario on Kavanaugh. Senate Democrats up for re-election this year in deep red states face a nightmare decision on how to handle Supreme Court nominee Kavanaugh. Vulnerable Democrats are hoping Republicans will force him to withdraw, and that was their push. Heidi Heitkamp, Donnelly, Manchin. Because why? The release came out. Prosecutor questioned Ford Schrenzer case in five-page memo. Rachel Mitchell, the prosecutor questioning Ford last week during a hearing in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, wrote a five-page memo that was released on Sunday. Mitchell's memo notes nine significant problems with Ford's testimony and underscores that her case is even weaker than he said, she said. Uh, he said, she said case is incredibly difficult to prove, but this case is even weaker than that. Dr. Ford identified other witnesses to the event, and those witnesses either refuted allegations or failed to corroborate them. For the reasons discussed below, I do not think that a reasonable prosecutor would bring this case based on evidence before a committee, nor do I believe that the evidence is sufficient to satisfy the preponderance of evidence standard, and it's not. 
Kavanaugh accuser Schwenick's ex-boyfriend shreds her credibility. So what do they do? CNN publishes error-filled article countering Ford's ex-boyfriend and outs him. CNN did not report that an ex-boyfriend of Christy Blasey Ford sent the Judiciary Committee a sworn statement alleged the California professor lied under oath when she publicly accused Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh of sexual assault. But the outlet did report that a friend of Ford's, Monica McLean, who was mentioned in the statement, called the ex-boyfriend's claim completely false. To show how zealy they are, this article, which contains multiple spelling and grammatical errors at the time of its writing, the new allegation against Ford also comes as, and contained even more than it was published earlier Wednesday afternoon, appears to be a hastily written counter to the ex-boyfriend's sworn statement. In that statement, the ex-boyfriend claimed Ford had helped McLean prepare for the polygraph test she was taking as part of her interview with the FBI and U.S. Attorney's Office. The ex also said Ford never mentioned fear of flying or a need for multiple donor doors due to any kind of anxiety. The letter contains no corroborating information, but hasn't been given the amount of coverage that a letter from an ex-girlfriend of Kavanaugh would receive if she were claiming he lied under oath. Nor has it received the amount of coverage from a former classmate parade on the network to claim Kavanaugh drank more than he let on in the testimony. CNN also reported that McLean told the outlet that she is furious, that her reputation is now being called into question by a lie, that has thrust her in the national spotlight. CNN has previously criticized Kavanaugh for acting angrily to the multiple uncorroborated allegations of sexual misconduct lodged against him, which he maintains are untrue. The ex-boyfriend name was redacted in a sworn statement to senators and refused to speak to CNN about his letter, but the media outlet published his name anywhere. Anyway, there's no way they would do the same for someone accusing Kavanaugh. CNN previously threatened to put someone who created a gift that showed Donald Trump knocking someone out with the logo placed on their head. And they did the grandma. And they did so many more. So what they did was, we're going to dox this motherfucker so he'll shut the fuck up because a mad mob will get him. Yeah. So, the guy who killed Sam bin Laman, I gotta read this one. Uh, we know Democrats like to pretend that somehow it was Obama got him, but it was actually O'Neill. We're pretty sure Obama was playing cards. Anyway, after spending a week watching left sanctimonious insist they believe survivors as a way to drag Kavanaugh, it would seem O'Neill himself got fed up with it. And he tweeted, We believe survivors unless they fought in Benghazi. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. The worst was the flake incident, which I talked about. And once again, they never said this. Other networks did, but they never said it. They never prefaced it. They made it like it was a normal person who went and did this. And ABC just let her talk. We have seen that powerful exchange between Senator Flake and several sexual assault survivors on that elevator. And moments ago, I spoke with one of the women, Anna Maria Archila. And Anna joins us now. Anna, thank you so much for being here this morning. You went to Jeff Flake's office yesterday morning. You spot him in the elevator. What's going through your mind as you're imploring him to open an investigation? I had just found out that Jeff Flake was getting ready to support the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. And I was uh, enraged and afraid and in pain uh, for uh, what that meant, the message that it sent to my children, 
to women and, and people who've been sharing their stories of surviving sexual violence, and I wanted him to hear that pain. Anna, you're wearing a shirt that says, be a hero, and we know that Senator Flake had pretty much already made up his mind. What role do you think you played in getting him to change it? I think that um, that interaction that he had with Maria and I in the elevator was significant, but it was only significant because thousands of people had shared their stories. Anna, once this FBI investigation has concluded, will you accept the results, however the Senate votes on it, even if that's in favor of Kavanaugh? I think that Brett Kavanaugh has demonstrated that he has... Um, He's willing to lie uh, under oath. Uh, he's unable to take responsibility for the harm he, have, he has caused. Um, and I, I think that that makes him unfit to serve in the Supreme Court. But I think the country deserves a process that allows people to, to gain trust. Um, and the, having an investigation creates the possibility for that process. Ariana, as you said, you'll continue to fight and you'll continue to be an activist. And for so many of the country, you will continue to be a hero. We want to thank you so much for joining us this thank morning. Thank you. Just goes to show the power of showing up, looking your senator in the eye, and expressing your concerns, and that's what can happen. Democracy. If a right extreme group literally did anything and pressured Democrats, you would hear AstroTurf. You would hear them bring it out. They didn't for her. She's an activist. They have treated the lawyers, Blasey Ford, Schwinnick, every one of these people who are Democrats as normal citizens. They don't talk about their politics. And they don't talk about this either. DFL inquiry can't substantiate Ellison abuse allegations. His case has been handed to investigators. And I guarantee he's done. Yeah. And our last little thing, Senate Judiciary staffer writes me on background. This is, uh, I don't know who the hell that got this from, sorry. This is desperate effort to bluff the press into thinking there is something sensational behind the curtain. There's no there there, but they know that confidentially rules prevent us from dispelling the notion fully. It's another Spartacus. Nothing to see here, Tasha Yosef says. They're just stalling for time. They're trying. They already started fighting the release that came in last night. They're they're just fighting it. They don't want the vote. They're trying to do whatever they can to discredit this guy because they want to get in the midterms and they want to get a Democrat and they're not going to. But I think it's starting to set in. So to finish our fire for effect for today, here is CNN. And all I can think of when I'm listening to this soundbite of Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo is a sad emoji because they're gay and they would use emojis like this. I guess I shouldn't use that euphemism. Somebody will get offended if I say they're gay, but they're they're just fucking hacks. Let's put it I'll take the gay away and put hack. They're just hacks. And they're crushed. It didn't work. And now the polls are coming out and it's not going well. So let's listen to these two sad-faced emojis and we'll go into our hate tweets. This is what McConnell promised. Yeah, and that's what they want as quickly as possible. I have to say, I mean, it's Wednesday now. 
uh, on Friday, all this drama played out, and I, I, would, I guess the investigation started after that, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, mm-hmm. Tuesday, Wednesday. I mean, that is a very short time for uh, an investigation. Listen, I'm not in law enforcement, but it just seems like it's a really, really short right. time. But it, regardless of what's in the report, Mitch McConnell is saying, and you see it there, they're going to vote on Friday, and all of us will know. And here's what I'm saying. It's going to be Justice Kavanaugh. I think that's what's going to happen. Mm. That's where the odds are right now. But that act of conscience will come with a big consequence for a GOP senator, because if they vote against Kavanaugh and they lose the Senate, unlikely, but if, you would cost your party a generation of jurisprudence. At what cost conscience? Several senators will be answering that question in just a couple of days. They're probably hoping the win offsets the ugliness of the process and ignoring Something that should matter more than a SCOTUS seat. Empathize with victims, even alleged victims. How we do that says a lot about us. And that's what this vote should be about. Will it? We'll see. Let's pick up our coverage with CNN Tonight and Don Lemon right now. Mm, Yeah, and uh, well, here we go, Chris. This is what the past couple weeks uh, have been about, and we're going to know about it on Friday. But I told you how I felt. I'm not. You said that's where the odds are. Yes, I think that they have the votes. The dream scenario is that flake peels away and it's 50-50. And who comes in to seal the deal? The happiest man in the world, Mm -hmm. Mike Pence, the VP, breaks the tie and he delivers America a conservative Supreme Court justice that locks in a generation of jurisprudence and is the best chance for his bid to be president after Trump. Mm-hmm. So this comes down to numbers, but only if Collins, Murkowski, and Flake, and Flake. decide to leave. Yeah, only if. Okay, thank you. Uh, we've got uh, a lot to get to, Chris. I'll let you go now. Hate tweet of the day. And but it, as the Washington Post put it, uh, and they called it a ride on Fox News's roller coaster of emotions during the Kavanaugh hearing, they r- report that by the end of the day, most of the hosts believed that Kavanaugh had significantly increased his chances uh, to the point of a likely confirmation. And this has pretty much everyone else thought that Kavanaugh's performance was a disaster. Well, it just goes to show that on Fox, nobody loves a white guy yelling at people more than Fox News. Yeah. And I think what we saw in the first half of the hearing and the coverage was they did not expect Dr. Blasey Ford to be so credible. They did not expect her to be so poised, composed. She held it together and told a very riveting story about what happened to her. The second half was Brett Kavanaugh going guns blazing, full Trump. This is someone who was called a Bush person who, before our very eyes, became a Donald Trump person. And they loved it. When you look at Fox News primetime programming, the Sean Hannity's and Tucker Carlson's, he mimicked them. This is what they do every single day, and they ate it up. Yeah, and and, and that, Eric, it, it, it does point out, you know, I mean, everybody understands what Fox News is. It's a conservative news outlet. It's it's constituent service to, you know, say things that Republicans want to hear, right? That's the, what they're there to do. Um, but just the analysis of a Supreme Court nominee, which is a very particular thing. It's not a political office. But the fact that the more political he got, the more he behaved like Donald Trump, and the more he literally yelled at Democrats and shouted conspiracy theories, the brighter his outlook became for Fox. That says something very particular about what they do for a living, yeah? 
And you saw the picture behind him was, uh, was you know, white women, but he's really talking about men, right? He's talking right. about white guys, white guys, and he's saying that the white guys aren't going to take it anymore. This is all about, the entire orthodoxy of the Republican Party under the Donald Trump era is all about old white guys still wanting their way. And anytime anybody of a different creed, a different faith, a different skin color wants to have a piece of that pie, they get angry and they want to snatch it right back. And that's what we saw play out on Fox News. That's what we saw play out at the hearing with Lindsey Graham's outburst, attacking the senators, attacking the Democratic members in an unprecedented way. It shows that it's not about substance. It's not about truth. It's about make America great again, which we all know means make America as white as humanly possible. And everything that's happened under the Trump administration in this era has been all about empowering white people and telling everybody else to sit down, shut up, and take it. Yeah. I'm you know, to close out the disappointed soundbite, they had no problem with less than a week for Hillary's billion emails. That was plenty of time to go through all of Wiener's laptop. And that's, once again, uh, the race hustler over on MSDNC going on another tirade about Fox, white men, racist, got it. Celebs trying to make voting sexy. I, I picked this one and put it in because... Um, yeah, this is fucking horrible. They, they keep going back to this trope. Slide it in for the first time. Famous faces always do well in selling a product, a set, and sex does even better. So if Carl Jr. can do it for burgers, why can't Hollywood's do it? Hollywood do it for the midterms? Same principle. Second Amendment haters of March for Our Lives decided to produce another celebrity-endorsed political sales pitch for the upcoming election this November. Desperate times call for sleazy advertising. So the political organization decided to get a bunch of pretty people together behind the camera to explain their first time doing it. It was quite the video. The first 30 seconds of the ad was all sexual innuendos with the likes of Scarlett Johansson, Don Cheadle, Chris Evans, Zoe Kravitz awkwardly squirming in their seats with embarrassment as they explained their first time. Johansson mentioned that during her first time, she was nervous, while Kravitz claimed his first time was in the back of a firehouse. Cheadle ramped up the scandalous feeling by mentioning that his first time was in a church. Talking about some edgy stuff, Captain America himself, Chris Evans mentioned that his first time was with a woman in 2016. Yeah, fucking idiots. That's not going to work. Something I missed last podcast, I didn't watch it because I don't like him. I guess Chris uh, Kanye West went off and did a pro-Trump thing. So Slate automatically attacked him and... Some of this would be considered racist, but for some reason, you can do it on the left. In a musical genre where fugitives are admired for their swagger and irreverence, Kanye West stands as a rebel among rebels, not for disobeying the law more fragrantly than his contemporaries, but for speaking his mind. West made a point of doing this on season premiere of Saturday Night Live, sporting a red Make America Great hat. West capped off an end credits performance of Ghost Town alongside rapper Kid Cootie, 07 Shake and Ty Dolla Sign, with a political talk and a call... For a return to civility, the SNL credits finished partway through the Ghost Town performance, so West's address took place off-air and was divulged instead by Chris Rock via Instagram. Mike Dean, Kanye SNL talk that got cut off, freedom of speech should have extended. Not included in the Dean's video, a few remarks West made about Democratic welfare policy negatively affecting blacks, but for the most part, West simply asked those with whom he disagreed for their acceptance, repeating, try love like a mantra. While he rambled at times, he avoided the profanity that a mainstay in rapper vocabulary. 
But according to left, calls for civility are always bigotry or lunacy in disguise, and thus can't go unpunished. On September 30th, Matthew Deesom of Slate called Kanye's spiel part of gigantic and still ongoing shit show. Alyssa Milano backed it up with Make Kanye Great Again, MKKK, picture Kanye with Trump on air, and somehow that's not racist. But that's not our big story. Not even remotely. The big one this week was Christy Swanson, who we talked about a couple podcasts ago. Flaming, hot, gorgeous young lady from the 80s, and somehow she became conservative. Followed her on Twitter just because I was shocked that somebody from Hollywood was conservative. And the Daily Beast went with this. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is now a Kavanaugh accuser, bashing troll, Trump troll. Christy Swanson, who originated the role of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in 1992 film, has made no secret of her distaste for liberals and supporting Brett Kavanaugh. Instagram photo of her with fucking Democrats or bitches. I agree. While a plethora of celebrities, Milano, Clooney, DeVito, to name a few, have made no secret of their support for Democrats and left-leaning political candidates, the right isn't without its Hollywood supporters. Most recently, Kanye West, blah, 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 about spoken alias supporter of Trump. But Christy Swanson, the actor's famous blah, 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 seems pointed to give rest a run for his money in terms of passionate support for the right. Swanson's Twitter and Instagram accounts are a minefield of far-right informed political hot takes. In a tweet from August 23rd in the wake of Molly Tibbetts' murder, she pondered, why do liberals say calling someone an illegal alien is racist and offensive? In a previous tweet, Swanson wondered why people call her an immigrant hater. Christy Swanson, blah, 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 blah. A Twitter photo from a few days before an immigrant tweet shows Swanson proudly sporting a shirt with an image of an assault rifle on the front, the words American trigger pullers, and blazon underneath in an Instagram post for August. Swanson wears a shirt that says, Make America Not a Bunch of Whiny Bitches Again. Her caption links back to the far-right apparel company, American Trigger Pullers, who essentially designed her clever shirt. How are they far-right? They, they like guns? That makes you an extremist? Oh, yeah. This is Hollywood. Swanson's cause celeb, at least on social media, seems to be mocking the Me Too movement, especially if it relates to politics. Mem- memes posted on her Instagram, completely with cartoon characters wearing the ubiquitous pink pussy hat, lampoon that not my president logic and many feminist protests. And Swanson frequently reposts or retweets actor turned far-right crusader, James Woods. I would never say he's far-right, but okay. And one tweet... His and she posted her Instagram, Woods bemoans the howling harpies continually disrupting the Kavanaugh hearings, a misogynistic epitaph for feminist protesters, but one that Swanson seemed glad is trending on Twitter. Swanson mostly takes issue with the sexual assault allegations currently being leveled at Supreme Court nominee Kavanaugh by a number of women. She retweeted a protester's present during the hearing and asked exactly what rights of women would Kavanaugh take away. If he was confirmed. Meanwhile, a tweet from September 19th saw Swanson screw you bitches to the M- Women's March Twitter page. In a tweet from August, Swanson stated, Women have all the power. <clears throat> we decide everything when to eat, go to dinner, wake up, date, have sex, get married. When we all have babies, go to school, go to work, have careers, play sports, run for office, and even for POTUS. What's with the victim train? Wow, that's a common sense tweet that almost every woman I know would say. But she's an extremist. Another tweet, type correction for last post on this. Piper, exactly what equal rights a woman would Kavanaugh be taken away? 
Many citizens before me have fought for the equal rights of women, blah, blah, blah. She did the Pepper Parabo bullshit because she got kicked out for breaking the rules. Alyssa Manalana, we need the ERA. Christy Swanson, hey, I fall in the category of women. And guess what? You don't speak for me. I'll apologize you use my own voice, access of power to tell you exactly what I'm thinking. And that is screw you bitches 100% to the Women's March. Since we apparently achieved gender parity, Swanson sees no need for false allegations against Kavanaugh. Tweets and retweets of her frequently call and question Dr. Christine Blord Ford's Raisley Fords, uh, you gotta have a name, you're a douchebag, credibility, and maintain that Kavanaugh is innocent. Swanson is a big fan of the hashtag Women for Kavanaugh and seems determined to use her platform as a washed-up celebrity-turned-right-wing supporter to draw attention to Supreme Court nominees supposed innocent. He deserves to be treated fairly, she tweeted. I do believe it's very possible that someone has happened to Dr. Ford at some point in her life, and that's true. I do feel for her. I do believe, without question, Kavanaugh is a victim of false allegations and nothing to do with her assault. I pray for both of them. Swanson seems to think the false rape accusations are a persuasive and dangerous threat to society, not, you know, toxic masculinity and rape culture or anything like that. For those wondering if Swanson's far-right tendencies were a relatively new thing, think again. In response to a tweet earlier this summer accusing her of riding the far-right wave for another 15 minutes of fame, Swanson replied, I've actually been a conservative all my life. I was raised that way since the 70s. I was on the Trump train before he ran for office. They go and do two more, and then finally, trying to resuscitate her career by taking some weird mega stance and starting a Twitter argument with Chris, weak sauce that's an article on a news source daily beast that's a liberal news source now why do i cover it hey i like her i follow her nothing she says i don't agree with nor does my wife it's the constant group think if you don't think like us you're wrong and how they can get away from stereotyping anybody with an opposing p- opinion as a demeaning term. It's always that way. Far right wing. Far right. Far right. They're like throwing it in there. Everything's far right to them. Fucking everything's extreme. NRA members are extreme. People own guns. Extreme. The whole bunch of people like me who don't believe Kavanaugh did anything extreme we're extreme we need to be re-educated as Bluesenthal said maybe it's you that needs to be re-educated on the concepts of America freedom of speech and not everybody has to think the same your think the same concept is communism my friends and maybe you need to move because you can go to China and get exactly what you want. It won't be lefty, but it'll be what you want. Everybody thinks like us, or else they go to a gulag. So, our tweet of the day today, great story on CBS's new surprisingly positive religious show. I'm not going to read the article because I covered it last time, but I am going to play the soundbite. I hope this show makes it. God, friend of me. I hope it does. It's a good show. It's nice to see something positive on TV. People say that God has a plan for all of us, that we're all part of a grand design. Well, I never believed that to be true. But then 
he friended me and it kind of turned my life upside down. Not that I think it's God, but in these crazy times we live in, we owe it to ourselves to ask the tough questions and to open our minds to a new way of seeing the world, a place where we can find our voice again. They're committed to delaying, obstructing, and resisting this nomination with everything they've got. They just want to delay this matter past the election. It's not my supposition, Mr. President. That's their plan. According to another Democratic member of the Judiciary Committee, the junior senator from Hawaii, that's their plan. So All right, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, surprise, surprise, it's an you know, incredibly serious matter, taking a turn to politics. Let's go to our senior congressional correspondent, Manu Raju. Manu, what do you think? Yeah, this is Senator McConnell making it very clear that he plans to push forward on a vote on Brett Kavanaugh this week, criticizing Democratic tactics, criticizing, going after Christine Blasey Ford's attorneys, calling them politically connected attorneys and trying to make the cases is all uh, Democratic. I could just go move on to stats because that pretty much sums up the hypocrisy in our media. That is Brooke Baldwin. That's a big daytime anchor. Criticizing politics of the Republicans. Even though in her heart she knows this is all politics. The Democrats stalling us politics. That has nothing to do with right or wrong. We, we have Booker and Blumenthal saying it. They just want to stall. So during other news, a new NAFTA came down. Politico, I'm not going to read it. They literally went with the Canadian version and said Trump sucks. Even though... The U.S. version, of course, the Trump version is for us. It benefits us. They went with another country and outsourced their complaints and picked up Canadian ones. Because, remember, nothing he does is good. We cannot admit anything's good. We can't work with them. We're just like the Democrats. Even though the media, we're the Democrats. Race-baiting former ESPN personality Jamel Hill to make useful trouble in Atlantic. Jamel Hill race-baiting forum is open for business once again now that she's joined the staff of Atlantic Magazine. As a writer and a podcast hostess, she'll cover the intersection of sports, race, politics, gender, and culture, says leftist magazine, magazine editor Jeffrey Goldberg. Look, she's a Roman candle, right? She's a fearless, energy, energetic, fiercely, fearless, energetic, I like having journalists on our staff who make all sorts of useful troubles, and Jamel, I believe, will make all sorts of trouble. The problem is, the last time they brought somebody on, and he was conservative, 
Do we remember what happened to him? He got fired for the rape comment. But you can bring her on and she's perfect. She can say whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah. They legitimized a person who attacked the President of the United States. I just want to put that as a cliff note. Because it's going to change. In 2020, it'll probably be a Democrat. You watch how quickly anybody that can just has the gall to say anything like that about a Democratic president. They will lose their job. Their family will be sent to a gulag. Won't be tolerated. No, it won't. So our media mash, as promised, Donnie Deutsch, a rich white guy, bashing Kavanaugh for being a rich white guy. CNN allowing Barbara Boxer to say that the GOP want to jail women for abortion. Wow. I know she's in a contested race, but that's pretty extreme. And then another lemon saying uh, there's no liberal bias, even though he almost cried on TV because Kavanaugh is going to be a Supreme Court justice. For an entire generation of women going forward, they will not be able to look at the Supreme Court the same way, particularly post that Kavanaugh performance, that as a man, I was embarrassed for him. It was, it was the ultimate display of, of white entitlement. And speaking of which, just one more point. As I talk to men over the weekend, I find that the higher you go on the income curve, the more men are like, why, you know, well, we all did this, we all did this in one form or another, still not getting it. Women are getting it, and I find the lower you go on the income curve, men are getting it. But this does not move us at all, any forward, as far as entitled men feeling what they can and can't get away from. I think the stakes are beyond politics. It goes way into where we stand as the genders. I want you to also comment on something else the president had to say tonight well, about let me just say, another woman. He, he, oh, okay. Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren. Let's listen, and then I'll let you respond. They're so far left. They have been taken so far left. Where Pocahontas is now considered a conservative (laughs) in the Democrat Party. She's like a conservative person. Pocahontas, Elizabeth Warren, she's considered like a conservative person. These people, they've gone crazy. They've gone loco. Well, Warren says she will think about a 2020 bid after the midterms. Do you think the president is, is practicing for what's ahead? No, I think it's more of his attack on women. That's what it's about. It's, he, he couldn't attack Dr. Ford. They told him, whatever you do, don't do that. She's sympathetic. The people believe her. So first he goes after Diane Feinstein. Now he goes after Elizabeth Warren. Who is next, Melania? Who knows where he's going to go? The man has no respect for women. He wants to put the president. He wants to put women in jail if they get an abortion. Let's be clear at what's at stake here, but let's not vote for someone who has the wrong temperament for the court. And if conservatives like that temperament, they wouldn't like it if they appeared before him and he didn't agree with them, I'll tell you that. That is wrong. Former Senator Barbara Boxer, thank you so much for joining us. And there are plenty of conservatives in Hollywood, by the way. Steve, go ahead. Uh, well, there's not plenty, but uh, and, and to that point, Don, I think it's it's telling yeah, that in describing in describing his statements, uh, you called it a rant, you called it bullshit, you called it bizarre. 
I don't think you say any of those terms when leftists in Hollywood get up at every single award show. Okay, let me stop. Every point, every point, every point. Let me go. Every point. Let me. Every point. Okay, so that point, you're wrong because if in order not to be a rant, right, it would have to make sense. What he said did not make sense. He kept throwing up topic after topic and not explaining. No, it didn't make sense. And you weren't there. You didn't hear the whole thing. What you heard were what you heard were snippets on the internet. You didn't hear the entire thing. Okay, I heard the entire thing. Yes, I did, Don. How do you know what I heard or didn't hear? I heard the whole thing, Don. And let me tell you, you know what I heard? I heard him talk about the intolerance of the left, and I heard him say that they they demand conformity. If you think Saturday Night Live is the left and they're intolerant, then why would they invite him there? You think they're stupid? They don't know what Kanye is going to do. You don't think Kanye? They did all of right. that and look in rehearsals they, before and before look, the show. The whole the entire week of the show, people were tweeting him, out, Kanye has go, uh, lost his him. mind. He's wearing and a Kaepernick shirt and a, and a Donald Trump hat. You don't think they knew that? So they why would they him. invite him there if they didn't want that message right, to get out? Don, did you invite me here to answer questions or just to talk? No, about I invited you here to tell the truth, and you're not being honest. But go on. Wait, what, what lie did I tell? What lie did I tell? You said he made sense. He did not. He made perfect you, sense. To you me. called. Way, you said that they were the liberals did not want his did not want him getting his voice out and what he said to get out. They invited him there and gave him the platform. No, they did not give him the platform. They not for his speech about. And look, what he talked about is true. When he said that 90% of performers, 90% of media are uniform and they're uniform on the left and they're uniform in their derision for Donald Trump and for his supporters. And what he's saying is, which I think is an is important that, is message, that a scientific one, mathematical is that we fact people, about 90%. We, we people, we people of color have been taken for granted by the Democratic Party for decades and it has not resulted in the security and prosperity of our communities. And our bias 101 today is extra special brian seltzer we bash all the time on you know his reliable sources which are neither reliable or a soul source and he's just a democratic little fucking troll he brought on katie couric another one who tried to play it straight but we all knew where she stood caught for faking gun documentaries and disgrace she hasn't been doing anything since then because it was not a project veritas it was one of the people being interviewed and they proved she lied and falsely edited everything to make it hey even extreme gun people believe we should get rid of guns which was never going to happen she came on and uttered this about the treatment of sarah palin yeah, speaking of the big get, this brings us to your podcast. It's been 10 years uh, since that famous Sarah Palin interview that you conducted while you were at CBS. Uh, and uh, you've, you've revisited it for your podcast by looking at how, how it changed the media world and also, frankly, how Palin led to Donald Trump. Yeah. Uh, let's look first at a clip uh, from the interview. This is one of the most, let's say, memorable questions and answers. What newspapers and magazines did you regularly read before you were tapped for this to stay informed and to understand the I've world? read most of them, again, with a great appreciation for the press, for the media. But like what I mean, specifically? I'm curious that you... Um, all of them, any of them that um, have, have been in front of me over all these years. Unforgettable moment with, with Sarah Palin, and there were many in that interview. You say it was the most important interview you've ever done. 
Well, I think it was one of the most pivotal and mm. one of the most impactful because, as you remember, when that interview was done, it was the third interview that Governor Palin did. But I think it had a big repercussion because I think people saw that she was out of her depth and could not answer public policy questions in a very uh, satisfying or satisfactory way. And so we wanted to look at that and how much things have changed and how her kind of anti-intellectual uh, red meat populism, anti-media rhetoric mm. did pave the way for Donald Trump and his anti-media uh, uh, sensibilities, right. if you will. And your critics and, said this was gotcha journalism. Was Did it make your brand well, you more know, polarizing? Because no, you, you know, were just asking a really simple question You know, question it's there. interesting. I think even Republicans thought all the questions I asked were exceedingly fair. And so I think it was after it sort of set in and Governor Palin knew that she had not performed well that that became sort of the, the typical trope, that it was gotcha questions. But even, even Senator McCain, when I sat down with them for a joint interview, praised the interview I had done with Governor Palin. Mm. He had a very different campaign style, and obviously hers diverged from his. Right. Remember, he would calm down people who <laughs> right. said inappropriate things, yeah. and she seemed to egg them on and certainly not temper that. Very Trumpian. Yeah. I love that interview. That interview is so perfect. It was the most important ever interview I ever did because I had to discredit this lady drastically because we can't have a person like that, which brings us to our second point. You commoners, you peasants. It's what's wrong with our media. They look down on normal people. They look down on the middle of the country. People like Katie Couric and fucking Brian Seltzer Unless you're like them, some fucking wannabe Ivy League special person, you are a commoner. Oh, yeah, they play nice little interviews occasionally with normal people, and they play nice with soldiers, but in their heart, soldiers, housewives, normal Americans are fucking beneath them. They are but common peasants. Let them eat our bullshit. And it comes down. They don't know they're biased. Their whole worldview is we are the smartest people in the world. And if you're not doing what I'm telling you, you know, Chuck Todd's perfect. If you don't vote like Chuck Todd, you're a fucking piece of shit. How dare you have a different opinion? No, 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 no. You must think like us. Fucking losers. National Review wrote a shared review of a movie if Beale Street could talk. From NRO. Are black, blacks really helpless victims of circumstances? The point seems elementary. Don't build a drama around a passive, hapless character who's mounted feathers on the wind of fate. Yet when it comes to portraying black folks, especially in movies aimed at the white art house audience, the principle is often forgotten. Barry Jenkins, the director of one such film, Moonlight, has to be pleased with how that one turned out, given that it won him an Oscar. While the movie itself won Best Picture, he talks, he takes the same track in, in his follow-up in Beale Street. Continued, even if you review 
Even if your view of the criminal justice system in New York City in 1970s that is hopelessly poisoned by racism, the movie's portrayal of how it works doesn't carry much depth. The cops aren't wolves on the prowl while the black people are wide-eyed lambs. As Mer- America is portrayed as effectively... Sorry, I'm having computer screen problems. An apartheid regime in which blacks have no chance... The problem with such a take as dramatic terms is that it strips black Americans of their agency and dynamicism, reduces them to pity receptacles. It's not a sophisticated view, but a reductionist one. John Harwood. Seriously. Charles C.W. Cook. It's a movie review. Do you ever stop for a moment? And that's why I cover it. A movie review by the National Review... That talks about a fictional character play that doesn't really pertain to America. It over-sensationalizes how blacks were treated and portrays them worse than you would think they would do. They criticize that. And a liberal reporter, oh my God, you're a racist. That's his inference there. They're a bunch of racists. But we've proven on this show, they think Handmaids is real. I mean, they think we live in the dystopian times. How do I know that? This last soundbite. No lot of soundbites today, but this is a good one. They come up with a new thing at MRC and Fox, I guess, did this little montage. It's called KDS, Kavanaugh Derangement Syndrome. And it pretty much sums up our media money 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 donald trump has been very very good for baseball he has been wonderful for the industry your boss acknowledged as much a number of number of months ago during the campaign les moonves. Don't, huh? it was les moonves who had les moonves also <laughs> acknowledged it but so did the head of cnn but that means that, what that, 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 means, that means what that, oh, the ratings are up. It means you can't do without Donald Trump. You would be lost without Donald Trump. That's what he says. Sad, you know that's not true. CNN's ratings would be in the toilet without Donald Trump. You know that's not true. You're, you're, you're playing for laughs. You've lived through enough presidencies to know Hold on there will be more Brian. presidents. What were the ratings before Trump and what are the ratings now? I would say uh, we might be up 20, we might be up 30%, we might be up 40%. If we go back down 40%, that's okay, too. Well, it may not be okay. (laughs) Of course it is. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? I I reject the premise that these networks are making so much money off of Trump, and thus we we benefit. Tell me for a moment, if you will, let's get away from CNN, then, all right? Sensitive subject. Let's go to MSNBC. Is there a moment of the day when they are not focusing on Donald Trump or some internet? The Arizona prosecutor who sat in on last week's Senate Judiciary Committee hearing between Judge Kavanaugh and Christine Blasey Ford said the testimony proved even weaker than a he said, she said case. But that hasn't stopped some media outlets from grasping at seemingly anyone willing to come forward with a story about Judge Kavanaugh. Tonight, our chief national correspondent, Ed Henry, looks at whether these stories have merit or have simply been over the top. Call it the Kavanaugh derangement syndrome. Was Brett Kavanaugh known 
at Yale as a virgin? I have no idea. The relentless attacks normally directed at President Trump are now being aimed at Judge Brett Kavanaugh. I think he's been very brutally treated. Like a Politico op-ed entitled Law and Order, Why the FBI Should Investigate Boofing. Co-authored by Brian Fallon, a former spokesman for both Hillary Clinton and Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer. Or this USA Today column, suggesting Kavanaugh should no longer be allowed to serve as a basketball coach for young girls. The paper issued a clarification, but the viciousness stunned a son of the late Justice Antonin Scalia. That particular story was was really it was uh, tasteless, I thought, because, uh, you know, last week he was a gang rapist and now the insinuation is he's a pedophile. Now stories by Bloomberg and The New York Times are charging that while Kavanaugh was at Yale, he threw ice at someone at a bar. Kavanaugh was questioned by the police in 1985, but not arrested. Yet a CNN anchor today suggested if he was a quote-unquote belligerent drunk, he was more likely to commit sexual assault. I think that it's relevant to then a woman who says that you would corner her and put your hand over her mouth. Somehow that I think makes more sense. A co-author of the Time story was Emily Boslin, an opinion writer who has been savaging Kavanaugh in recent tweets, including a July tweet charging Kavanaugh is, quote, a fifth vote for a hard right turn on voting rights and so much more that will harm the democratic process and prevent a more equal society. I freelanced and forgot to talk about Ted Koppel. Ted Koppel. Is that not just a perfect soundbite? It goes well with the KDS, but tell me where the ratings would be right now without Donald Trump. Fox would be wiping the floor with them if there was a Democratic, or wiping worse, really, because they already do wipe the floor with them. But if it was a Democratic president, they, they wouldn't have these ratings. They love Trump. They love bashing Republicans. CNN is in the toilet already, but think where they would be if they didn't have Trump. And then he hits MSDNC. He's right. Tell me a part of the day for CNN and MSDNC. You're not seeing breaking news, something negative on Trump. Tell me when you see that. Because I have not seen it since November 9th, 2016. I, I just haven't. And... The more they sally up with the left, the more their ratings are going to go a little something like this. Bad segue, but we'll go with it. This Harvard-Paris poll from yesterday says 75% of the public thinks Senator Feinstein should have turned over the letter earlier. The majority of voters, 66%, the Senate decision to delay the vote by a week and involve the FBI to search for corroborating evidence. If the FBI review finds no corroborating evidence, 60% of voters support the confirmation of Kavanaugh. A majority of voters believe the Kavanaugh confirmation process was politicized and mishandled, with 69% calling it a national disgrace. They blame both parties for being partisan, with 54% blaming Republicans and 65% blaming Democrats. Further, 75% of voters believe that Senator Feinstein should have immediately turned over the letter from Ford to the Senate Judiciary Committee in July. 
NPR, uh-huh. new poll suggests Republican voter enthusiasm has spiked amid the Kavanaugh confirmation fight. In July, Democrats had a 10% enthusiasm gap. They were above Republicans. Of course they were. They should be. It's always that way in an opposing party of the president. Now it's down to 2%. Their craziness has literally spike the base of the Republicans, not the Democrats. You can't spike your base anymore, Democrats. All you're doing is losing people. FBI report after the Bureau's investigation allegations against Kavanaugh is expected to arrive in the Senate sometime this afternoon and evening. Already, Feinstein, White House confirmation that will not allow the FBI to interview Ford. Kavanaugh witnesses identified by Ramirez raises serious concerns. Blah, blah, blah. We don't believe the report. Kelly O'Donnell. New for Feinstein, who says White House refused to respond to requests for specific scope of Kavanaugh probe. But we wanted an unbiased, unfucked with investigation. Next podcast, I'll be talking about how they didn't accept it. It was, we're back to the GOP run FBI and all the craziness we dealt with with Hillary. Which is our next subject. Hillary Clinton's fable rating still Low has not gone anywhere because she just won't shut up. Just won't shut up. I got her at the end of the show. Dulles facial recognition tech nabs three imposters in 40 days. That is amazing. I wonder how many more they'll get. That's some sci-fi shit right there. You put your face in it. Is it really you? And we close with Andrew Clavin. Who needs feminism? Feminism is mean-spirited, small-minded, and oppressively oppressive philosophy. The Daily Wire podcast host is best-selling author Andrew Clavin defies the political correct pundits and declares himself an anti-feminist in the latest video from PragerU. The writer... Sorry, I had to get a drink. Of another key... Kingdom uses wit and sharp sense of humor to break down how far-left feminism has destroyed relationships between men and women, forsaking logic and reason for a bitter ideology. I am anti-feminist, Clavin says. Feminism is a mean-spirited, small-minded, and oppressive philosophy that can poison relationships between sexes, relation which, for most of us, provides some of the life's deepest pleasures and consolations. He continues... Feminism has attempted to bully us all into accepting an obvious lie. The lie that men and women have the same power, talents, proclivities, and desires, and that consequently, any discrepancy in their professional path is due to bigotry and must be corrected by force of culture and law. By shoving that lie down our throats, feminism has made both men and women less happy and less free. Clavin explains how feminism has degraded men as toxic, choosing to focus on men's flaws rather than what makes male sex a benefit to society. What's the result? Take a look at the quintessential feminine icon, Rosie the Riveter, flexing her muscles. The truth is, any man of the same size of fitness can make a bigger, stronger muscle than Rosie can. By hurting women away from their feminine nature, feminism seeks to transform them from first-rate women into second-rate men. Clavin goes on to break down how honest 
thought and goodwill can help society bridge the gap of sexes without the angry, bitter, and dishonest attack of our human nature by feminists. His opposing article that came with the podcast, How to Be a Good Male Feminist, it's a good way to close everything out. Some of you men out there are probably asking yourself, how can I be a good male feminist? Some of you men are probably asking yourself, how can I find a woman who will stick a lit cigarette in my private parts while whipping me with barbed wire? There's no accounting for people's tastes. But for those of the men who want to be better feminists, for some reason, here are a couple handy tips. If you want to be a good male feminist, remember, always listen to women when they're blaming you for everything. This will save you from having ever having to do anything else but listen to women blaming you for something. If you want to be a good male feminist, never accuse women of being irrational, hysterical, but instead just stand quietly while they scream nonsense at you and then do whatever they tell you. If you want to be a good male feminist, never tell a woman she shouldn't get drunk with a bunch of men in college party. That's simply blaming the victim for what's going to occur while she's blacked out. If you want to be a good male feminist, always encourage a woman to lean in to her professional ambitions until you make absolutely sure she's miserable and has wasted her best years doing something she secretly doesn't care about and hates you for. If you want to be a good male feminist, you should be sure to ask a woman for consent to every step of every sexual act until your insist questioning just drives her completely out of her mind and she practically begs you just to get on with it so that 30 years later she can accuse you of attacking her and ruin your life. So inclusion, in conclusion, if you want to be a good male feminist, you're a fucking idiot. The whole thing is political kabuki theater. We live in a society where American women are put on a pedestal. Yes, there's date rape. Yes, there's rape. Yes, there are small, small freaking not normal instances where women are treated inappropriately at the workplace. Women are not paid the same. Got it. But we have laws for that. You hear about it all the time. We've made more checks and balances than any other country on the fucking planet to make sure people don't get fucked over just because of their gender, race, color, religion, etc., etc. This is just a bunch of women that hate men. They just hate men. It has nothing to do with politics. They just don't like men. I mean, these women hate regular women who want to be just a wife, a housewife, respect their husband, share responsibility of the relationship, finances, etc., etc. They hate those people. They call them cis-gendered. Cis. They're terrible. Turfs and all that other bullshit. He wrote that as satire. I don't think it's satire. We live in an incredible country. These people who complain about it will never be happy. doesn't matter what we do. We could fire everybody in every leadership position in the entire company and put women in charge. Nothing will change. They'll still bitch about something. Because that's what they do. So, an atmospheric of some Green Bay Packer music. Because we're going to freaking Lambo in two days. And on the other side, news, social media nuggets.
media bubble one podcast at a time here's tony reed now it's time for news and social media nuggets the crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, right see these girls? Yep. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, they'll pop your figs. Save the whales. Gays in the military now.
fly and be all you can be for it's an adventure for the few, the proud, the brave in Military Corner. Military Corner, Trump awards Medal of Honor to his own Secret Servant agent. Staff Sergeant Ronald Schur II, a Secret Servant agent who is now fighting a battle with cancer. Today is a truly proud and special day for those of us here in the White House because Ron works right here alongside us at the Secret Servant counter-assault team. These are incredible people, Trump told a crowd, a crowded room. Trump then told the story of Schur's bravery as a Green Beret on daring April 6, 2008 mission in Shock Valley of Afghanistan to hunt down a deadly terrorist leader in the world who was in a remote mountain village. Ron was among two dozen Special Forces soldiers and 100 Afghan commandos who dropped off by helicopter in Shock Valley, a rock barren valley far away from the reinforcements. The assault force encountered no enemy activity during the 1,000-foot climb to their objective, but as the lead element approached the target village, Roughly 200 well-trained and well-armed terrorists ambushed the American and Afghan forces. Sure, the mission's only medic immediately began treating wounded. He then sprinted and climbed through enemy fire to reach several of his teammates who were pinned down on a cliff above. There was blood all over the place, Trump said. It was a tough, tough situation to be in. Immediately wrong, climbed the rock mountain, all the while fighting back against the enemy and dodging gunfire left and right. Rockets were shot at him. Everything was shot at him. After treating and stabilizing two more soldiers, Schur was struck in the helmet by a bullet and it passed through another soldier's arm. He was stunned by the blow, but quickly bandaged the soldier's arm. He continued to brave withering enemy fire to get to another soldier's location to treat his lower leg, which had been almost completely severed by a high-caliber sniper round. Schur then helped evacuate the wounded down the mountain so they could be loaded aboard helicopters. He rejoined his commando squad and continued to lead his troops and in place security elements until it was time to leave the area. For more than six hours, Ron bravely faced down the enemy. Not a single American died in that brutal battle thanks to his great measure to Ron's heroic action. A decade later, Schur is fighting another battle, this time stage four lung cancer. God be with him on that one, but what a badass. What a badass. The Army may have found his next rifle in a Colorado garage. This is no bullshit. This this is unbelievable. Specifications are incredible for four 6mm barrels cut side by side within one steel block. New ammunition blocks fired by electromagnetic actuators that could theoretically give the weapon a firing rate of 250 rounds per minute. It's called a power shot. That's a shotgun feature, the sniper rifle, sniper shot, machine gun assault gun that can send four bullets simultaneously at 2,500 miles per hour. He even got new caseless ammo. I mean, this thing looks like a stormtrooper rifle. Unbelievable. Wow. Wow. 126,000 service members and crosshairs for separation as DOD deploy or get out takes effect. Pentagon hardline on troop readiness took effect Monday, and 126,000 service members now find themselves in the path to separation. They do not become a deployable in the next 12 months. Deploy or get out was an early policy priority of Mattis. It was formalized in February and gave service until October 1st to be ready to begin holding troops accountable. Those intervening months also gave troops time to prepare to get rid of administrative, legal, or medical blocks that could have previously kept them non-deployable. 
including trainees, approximately 6%, 126,000 of the total force, active duty National Guard and Reserve, were non-deployable as August 31st, DO statement said. This includes temporary as well as permanent non-deployable service members. The reasons vary, but they're predominantly medical, and now it's get the fuck out or get back to deployable status. I'm telling you, I know there's a lot of guys that have found their way through it. It goes back to a time when I was a drill sergeant. I tried to get the fuck out of the infantry company or the training company I was in. I was going to go run a range, but I got hoodwinked into becoming a training sergeant slash executive officer because there were short officers. And I was going to get a job out on the night fire range three times a week. You don't do anything else. You just set up a range. The privates come in and shoot at night, and that's it. Or the low crawl range. There were two guys there that had been there for six years. They said, I don't do anything. I don't update my records. I don't do shit. I got a good life here. I'm moonlighting, working on the side, blah, 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 blah. I know there's people stuck places. They've gotten a profile. They've done something. And I think this is a good policy. Um, everybody needs to pull their weight. On to college crazy. We all know that Senator Susan Collins is possible swing vote when it comes to confirmation of Supreme Court nominee Kavanaugh. And the University of Southern Maine was busted for offering a tuition-free credit to students willing to ride a bus to Washington, D.C. University of Maine is offering free credit course students who travel to D.C. to harass Senator Collins. Bonus points if you're willing to get arrested. Conservatives need to apply. This is from Megum TV. The Maine Republican Party wrote on its Facebook page, Red Alert, University of Maine uses your tax dollars, offers college credit to protest Senator Collins in Washington, D.C. Email from the University of Southern Maine and even the outreach coordinator. You Maine students are told that they can earn free credit is a white they hop on a free bus, bus ride down to Washington, and protest the event page goes so far as to ask if students are recorded for being arrested or look good on a job application when they graduate. In case you are wondering, students who want to support Senator Collins are not welcome, as one individual who asked found out. The university has since pulled the course called Get This Engaged Citizenship and email sent around. Students can use one credit page requirement of the topic includes person. Overnight to Washington, D.C. to join political action social and meet You think that's extreme? Oh, no. Not this week. Georgetown professor says white GOP senators deserve miserable deaths. Call for the corpses to be castrated and fed to pigs. Dr. Carol Christine Fair, an associate professor in security studies program at Georgetown, White GOP senators are designed, blah, 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 blah. It's not enough for Dr. Fair. She said once the white Republican senators die, cut off their junks, feed them to pigs. It's the actual tweet. First tweet. Look at this. Chorus of entitled white men justifying a serial rapist's arrogant entitlement. All of them deserve miserable deaths. While feminists laugh as they take their last gasp. Bonus. Castrate the corpses. And feed them to swine. Yes! That's real. 
totally freaking real. Said this is a response to Senator Lindsey Graham blasting Democrats for the biggest political sham ever seen. God forbid a Republican sticks up for Kavanaugh against the evil Democrat lies. Look at this course of a title white man, blah, blah, blah. She retweeted the tweet. Her tweet is still posted to Twitter. She's still employed at Georgetown. Somehow this is not in violation of Twitter's terms of service or employment at Georgetown. It is the first time she has used her Twitter account to post vile, profanity-laced tirades towards people to whom she disagrees with. Shortly after the 2016 election, Dr. Fair attacked one of her friends, a Muslim woman, who admitted to voting for, Dr. Uh, for Donald Trump. Dr. Christine Fair went into an unbelievable foul-mouthed meltdown that lasted 31 days after Muslim ex-college said she voted for Trump. And she still has a job. Gab, a social media platform dubbed an alternative to Twitter, reported Dr. Christine Fair's tweet and has expected Twitter responded to the report stating she did not violate Twitter's guideline. Put this in context, James Woods was locked out of his Twitter account for posting a meme. Update. Georgetown University told Daily Caller in a statement that they respect her Fair's right to freedom of speech. Views of faculty members expressing their private capacities are their own and not the views of the university. Blah, blah, blah. Unless you say something bad about Obama. Then your fucking ass is fired. She followed up this shit. I will not moderate my rage for your convenience. As a victim of assault, I, along with a million of women, watch white males gather around a belligerent predator defending him and their privilege. I will use words that will make you as uncomfortable as I am. Looking at her picture, she's probably a victim from a woman because she's a very ugly woman. I know that's petty, but I don't see anybody sexually assaulting her. I don't think she's ever had sex. She looks pretty fucking frigid. And this once again goes back to not a woman, not a man thing. Nothing has been proven on Kavanaugh. Nothing. Not one accusation. Let. Where is her outrage for Ellison or Booker? And, and you think this is the last one about no Harvard? The, he is hostile. He can't come to them. He was going to speak there. They canceled it. The students did it. Probably prompted by instructors. It's a fucking joke. Our colleges are a fucking joke. It is like libtard nation. Catholic University Dean suspended over Kavanaugh tweet. His tweet was Sweenick is 55 year old, Kavanaugh is 52 year old. Since when do senior girls hang out with freshman boys? If it happened when Kavanaugh was a senior, Swinnick was an adult drinking with a, drinking with, and by her admission, having sex with an underage boy in another privilege, another universe, he would be a victim and she the perp. He got suspended for that. That violated their term of service. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, you, you guys are great. So, you're just fucking great. No wonder why these kids are so fucking crazy. You're going crazy. Let's move on to more stupid shit. University play canceled after a not enough Latinx actors. K-12 
Kent State University canceled a production of West Side Story after students complained that the school assigned none of the major roles to Latinx students. Theater students who declined their given roles are put on probation, so grieved students did not have the option of turning down their roles without facing an academic repercussion. So we're just not going to do it now. Professor, delusional college admission officers guilty of inter-racism. Florida Gulf Coast University professor Ted Thornhill sent four types of letters to white college admission officers, which varied in the degree to which they stressed fictitious students' interest in racially-themed activities. He found that admission officers were more likely to respond to students who did not express interest in racially-themed activities. He went on a screed. Whites can also discriminate against blacks and other people of color interracially on the basis of perception about the extent of which race informed given individual self-concept. Professor Thornbow went as far to call white admission officers delusional, writing that there was a noticeable disconnect between their delusions and evasive statements about racially hospitable environments on campus, which the students say highlight the presence of which white racism and historically and predominantly white institutions. They have an acronym for it, HPWIs. Within this context, it would be very unrealistic, if not naive, to expect HPWIs to take seriously the grievance of a student groups largely black and capitulate to their demands for an anti-crisis policy intervention in anything but isolated cases, and even then, only in the tepid, fleeting fragments and disingenuous manner. So, he's all pissed off because um, he wrote some bogus letters. And the admission office didn't say, yeah, we'll let you come and tear our fucking college down. Okay. BBC Northwest tweets our great one. Clapping has been banned at the University of Manchester Students Union events to avoid tr- triggering anxiety and improve accessibility. This is in London. Instead of clapping, students are instead encouraged to use jazz hands. Yeah, jazz hands. I did that in a video once. U.S. Cav when I worked there. And yeah, yeah, they're, they're getting triggered, twiggered by clapping. So now you have to use jazz hands. What the fucking hell is wrong with you people? So Australia saw this and they said, hold my fucking beer. Australia ridiculed the plan to ban extremist hand signals, including one V for victory. Now they're banning them. It's a crime to use hand signals, which you probably don't know are signals. Like, I wouldn't know that the OK sign was racist until liberal media said it is racist. But I would be pretty sure to say any hand signal I did around Chuck Todd... Brian Seltzer, all these fucktards would be racist because I'm not them. I don't have my skinny jeans on and I'm not a good ally. So something came out also that makes this all so comedic and that's why I threw it in here. One thing we're seeing on Twitter in light of the allegations made against Kavanaugh is a revisiting of the movie 16 Candles. Which, if you don't remember, include a scene where heartthrob character Jake Ryan 
Lily gives his passed out girlfriend to a nerd played by Anthony Michael Hall so he can have sex with them. I did not know that 16 Candles, including a rape subplot, played for laughs. Hell of a window into the 80s here and what was and was not coded as sexual assault. Ezra Klein, you knew he would do this, and he wrote an article. Jake Ryan is the embodiment of fantasy so compelling it has instantly made 16 Candles candles iconic. What if the object of all your romantic high school dreams decided to pursue you without you having to expand any or expend any effort whatsoever just because they could see that you were like deeper and more special than the rest of school? What if they somehow saw that without you ever having to have a conversation or interact with them in any way? Jake stands the test of time, wrote Hank Stiver in the Washington Post. He quotes 34-year-old woman who grew up on Jake Ryan. Oh gosh, Jake Ryan, just think about it. Now I get kind of, it's all just too good to be true. Jake's Ryan reputation as an ideal dream boy of every teenage girl's deepest fantasy has lasted for decades. Jake writes Stewart writes Jake writes Stever is Christ redeeming the evil sins of high school Jake is the ideal Jake is the eternal belief in something better yet Jake Ryan cold-bloodedly hands a drunken unconscious Caroline over to another girl and says have fun oh my god a fictional character burn him at the stake so yeah Jamel Hill Perfect way to cap the night. 16 Candles, my favorite teen angst movie ever is on. Jake Ryan is still my dream man. She did that in 2012, which fucking means she is for rape culture. And Molly Ringwald was actually asked this. Molly Ringwald, the face of teen movies in the 80s, says in a new interview with NPR that she finds part of 16 Candles problematic. The Riverdale actress, who also starred in John Hughes' Breakfast Club, says she's bothered by scenes from Sixteen Candles in which characters joke about sexual assault. Sixteen Candles, bring one character, crush, Jake Ryan. I've got Caroline in the bedroom right now, passed out cold. I could violate her ten different ways if I wanted to. Another scene, Caroline does not remember having sex with Ted, who Jake sent home with. Ringwald said she felt uncomfortable with some of the scenes at the time, but was afraid to overstep her boundaries. I mean, there were parts of the film that bothered me, then she admitted to NPR. Although everyone liked to say that I had, you know, John Hughes' ear, and he did listen to me in a lot of ways, I wasn't the filmmaker. And, you know, sometimes I would tell him, well, I think that is kind of tacky, or I think that is irrelevant, or that doesn't ring true. And sometimes he would listen to me, but in other cases he didn't. And, you know, you don't want to speak up too much. You don't want to cross the line, or at least that's the way I felt at the time. In April, Ringwald examined movies she acted in from the 80s for The New Yorker, pointing out one-dimensional portrayals of women and discussing consent issues in the film. On Sunday, Ringwald revisited the top of NPR, and she feels differently about the films now. What was acceptable then is definitely not acceptable now, and nor should it have ever been, but that's just sort of the way that it was. I feel very differently about the movies now, and it's a difficult position for me to be in because there's a lot that I like about them. And of course, I don't want to appear ungrateful to John Hughes, but I do oppose a lot of what is in those movies, and he needs his ass fucking kicked. He's dead, fucking exhume his body, and let's burn him at the stake! You fucking people! It's a fucking movie! So now... John Hughes is a rape apologist. Jake Ryan is a rapist. And little Ted. Oh my fucking God. Anthony Michael Hall. Burn him at the stake. Make him walk the fucking plank. 
You know what's really wrong with the society? Our next article. More men are wearing stilettos if they can find their size. What the fuck? What the fucking fuck? Why? That's the world we live in. That's acceptable. Jokes aren't acceptable anymore. Yeah, jokes. Can't joke. No innuendos. No inappropriate comments. You gotta me too it the fuck up. Yeah. California governor gives us our positive for the day. Vetoes law mandating abortion pills to be provided to college students. This is a fucking ridiculous requirement on the colleges because there's all sorts of abortion clinics. It's fucking California. You can go in and get a slushy and abortion at a 7-Eleven. I mean, come on. I see pecker pills or those stamina pills at the counter. I'm sure in California there's a morning after pill. 12-year-olds can get it. Infants can get it. It's California. Infants can take the pill to kill themselves in California. Lady Gaga fans accused of writing Venom reviews to support A Star is Born. This is a real article. I'm not going into it, but I just thought it was hilarious that her fucking mob is so crazy that they're destroying a film before it even came out. Huh. Yeah. To our crime sprees, Port Orange Man tried to buy a child from a mother for 200k. 200k, laddie. I went Irish on that. And you know where it was. A Walmart parking lot. Everything's at a Walmart parking lot. I swear to God. The end of days will be in a Walmart parking lot. Women's eyeball explodes after being hit with a golf ball. Did you guys see that at Ryder's Cup? That was fucking horrible. God, that's got to hurt. Oh. I bruised my eye three times. Ruptured it once hurling in a pre-army drink fest where I decided to drink a half a fifth of fucking Southern Comfort with raspberry coolers. Oh, youth. What is wrong with you? And, uh, yeah. It's not fun. Zurich Crematorium starts to trade precious metals filtered from people's ashes. Switzerland's largest crematorium has put in place technology to filter precious metals from 6,000 or so bodies that are cremated in the facility each year. Only one in three are opting in for the filtering process. Yeah, so then get your gold tooth. Flava Flav goes in there, they're going to fucking make some bank. Is that racist? He's got gold teeth. What the fuck, dude? That has nothing to do with race. Oh, okay. I can't say that because I'm white. Got it. What it's like to stand on a comet, newly released Rosetta images reveal the eerie tranquility of the surface. Rosetta captured image on September 22nd, 2014, 17 miles from the center of comet 67P Chermov Gersomakenko. The photo shows a feature known as Seth, which is on the larger of the comet's two lobes. The historic 1.3 billion Rosetta mission ended on September 30th in a planned crash on the surface. To go with this story, because I got it from the same size, traveling to Mars and deep into space could kill astronauts by destroying their guts. Whoa. Traveling long distances to space could destroy astronauts' guts, according to major new NASA-funded study. The research raises substantial red flags about possibilities of human taking journey to sp- places like Mars. It follows previous studies that suggest such journeys could do significant damage to people's brains and might age them prematurely. A new research subject mice subjected mice to the same kind of bombardment by galactical cosmic, go- cosmic radiation 
that would affect humans if they were on long space journeys. The radiation could cause damage to the gastrointestinal tissues that could lead to long-term functional alterations. And the study also raises concern that those astronauts would be at a high risk of developing tumors in the stomach and colon. Stomach and colon! Wow. Yeah, that's... That would probably be bad. Really bad. But we end on an incredibly positive one. I love this woman. Yeah. The secret to good health. Cigars, bacon, Dr. Pepper. Teetotaling totalitarians know the cost of life, but not the value. If the Houston Chronicle is right, I'm going to live forever. The paper shared the secrets to longevity over the weekend in a piece titled Drinking Dr. Pepper and Smoking Cigars. Centarians share their secrets to living past 100. The secret, it seems, is not trying to live forever. World War II veteran Richard Overton, the oldest man in America at 112, began his morning with whiskey in his coffee and a stogie in his teeth. He'll consume up to 18 cigars per day while scarfing down catfish, gravy, and macaroni and cheese. Last year, 106-year-old Texan Elizabeth Sullivan, the one I love, finally gave up the ghost, but only after guzzling Dr. Pepper for over a century. Every doctor that sees me says that they'll kill you, but they die, and I don't. So there must be a mistake somewhere. I love that line. Susan Mashata Jones, who died two years ago at the age of 116, never drank or smoked, but did she, she did eat four pieces of bacon with eggs and grits each morning for breakfast. Adele Dunlap passed away last year at 114 after a lifetime eating, drinking, and smoking whatever the fuck she wanted, though she never went out jogging or anything like that, according to her son. The longest confirmed lifespan in history goes to Jean Kelmont, who died in 1997 at the age of 122. Holy fuck. According to her obituary, Clement used to eat more than two pounds of chocolate a week, smoked nearly all her life, and continued to drink port, not just wine, but fortified wine that would get your ass drunk. Meanwhile, neurotic health nuts strive for mortality through compulsive physical exercise, meatless di- diget, diet, excuse me, juice cleanses, and outright starvation. Our technological overloads in Silicon Valley promise every few years be on the verge of finding the cure for death. Ethically deaf scientists promise that corpses of only a few more unborn babies offer the key to biological regeneration. Convinced of their originality and unacquainted with history, these leftist utopians follow a long tradition of immortalists singing the elixir of life in various metals and potions, sometimes at staggering human cost. They all lived. How many lived? And this goes on to a more deeper concept than I want to go into, but for Christ's sake, bring on the bacon and whiskey. Yeah! Two. Are lighter fare? <sighs> I never tire of this soundbite. Ah, this is Sanders pumpkin fucking Acosta. Have to look at the prosecutor's memo. Those are where uh, you see all of those facts laid out, and I think she makes a very compelling case. John, go ahead. Do you have any problem defending? I don't have any problem stating facts. No, John. Thank you, Sarah. Just I know that's something you probably do have a problem with, but I don't. Actually, Sarah, we do state the facts, and I think there have been many occasions when you don't state. No, Costa, you haven't. You wouldn't know the facts if it hit you in the face. To show how petty everything is, and I put this in a lot of fair, because I just think it's fucking hilarious. This is how low 
media left, everybody hates Trump as gone. Today's presidential alert test is a lot of lefties freaking out. Only a couple years ago, too late, as President Barack Obama was the one who signed this into law. Well, it seems Lauren Hogg, sister of Parkland clown prince David Hogg, was among those Americans who got the text message, and she thinks there's a much better use of government resources. All I'm saying is if they have the ability to make a national presidential alert, why can't they make a national voter registration alert with a link that automatically registers you to vote? The left said, oh, great. Chad Felix Green, oh, honey, please. Because the problem is this all came under Obama and Hillary making sure this works. She tweeted that. With a sad face. And I thought, when was the last time you heard Romney say anything about Obama during his presidency on Twitter? Hmm. Our next is a horrible article that we always go to after a lighter fare. David Cena, just now a pro-abortion advocate, roundhouse kicked a young pro-life woman at the CL Youth Pro-Life in Toronto. <clears throat> He's not been found. The woman who shot the video, Marie-Claire Bissonnette, wrote on LifeSize News that cops didn't consider it a serious case of assault. A police car arrived. Five, ten minutes later, the police rolled down the window but did not exit the vehicle. I approached them and told them I was just assaulted and explained the situation. I showed them the video. They replied, what do you want us to do about it? I was on the verge of tears and shaking from adrenaline. I didn't know what to say. I asked what my options were, and they replied that I could file a complaint but warn that I'd have to take them to court and only if they were able to find him. But given that it wasn't a serious case of assault, he'd be likely to be given probation or less. I asked if I could file the complaint without going to court, and they said no. Although a second set of officers seemed to have more help been more helpful, my main concern at the time was that the incident was on file. The officers of the phone call would be on record, but their apparent indifference discouraged me from pursuing the issue. Two hours later, I started to feel pain in my shoulder. I'd been kicked, and I contacted the police and filed a report with a different set of officers who were significantly more helpful, even offering a trauma support group after they visited my house and saw me still shaking and crying. Here is the video. You tell me if somebody kicked a pro-abortion, pro-kill baby person, this would be okay. What? They actually have people film you the whole time. Cool. Guess what? Hey. Destruction of private property. It's against the law. If somebody gets raped by somebody and they're like, I'm a 16-year-old and I can't have this baby. Think you should keep it? It's a B. If someone was raped and she gave birth and she decided to kill her three-year-old child. I meant to kick your phone. Someone call the cops. Do not touch me. Someone call the cops. Unbelievable. You know, liberal men are the biggest pigs on the planet. I said it. But yet, because they're allies, and I just did air quotes, you people love them. And to show... There is no bottom to the hate. I put this on the backside because for those that are calendar challenged, it's the 4th of October. Thanksgiving's quite a ways out, but not for the resistance. Mike Green, 
the guy who wrote Blade Runner 2049, which is fucking horrible, is urging critics of President Donald Trump to ruin Thanksgiving because supporting the president is an immoral act. His first tweet on October 3rd. This was yesterday. Supporting Donald Trump is a moral act. You see, because your Trump-supporting relatives are dumb. It's also a way to let people know you're dumb, he tweeted. And pathological unethical. Or in some cases, rare cases, pathologically unethical. So he went all in on October 2nd. And these were the backup ones. Michael Green, 9.15 p.m. to October 2018. This year when Thanksgiving rolls around and everyone preaches civility with your mega friends and family, fuck it. Walk out the door. Let them know it's impossible to respect anyone who supports Trump. Let them know they are bad people. Fuck, or he said, fun ratio. The megabot sure woke up this early. Moscow time on this tweet. Because everybody who doesn't agree with you is a bot. That's the new thing Twitter does. They took out real fucking accounts because they posted positive Trump stuff. And if you do positive Trump, you gotta be a bot. How has this worked so far for you? You guys have been calling for this since the election. You have ruined every fucking holiday, everything, even NFL football, and your scrum to get even over an election. But it's October 3rd. We haven't even had fucking Halloween yet. Yeah, sure, Walmart's got Christmas out already. It's wrong, but what the fuck, man? And I am sure I'm going to find something towards Halloween where they say, if kids are dressed with parents that look like the Trumpers, don't give them candy or something petty like that. All you do when you do stuff like that is show you're the un-American. You are the dumb person. You are unethical because you go against America's core value. Freedom of speech. The ability to believe what you want to believe, even if it's wrong. That's what we were founded on. That's why a bunch of fuckers got on a goddamn boat and came over here because they couldn't practice the religion they wanted. Vis-a-vis the life they wanted to live. What you fail to understand, people aren't supporting Trump. They're supporting the ideas that his administration is going in. And more importantly, for goddamn almost two fucking years, we've watched the Democrats attack people physically and verbally Their politicians say to go out and attack everybody, even in their fucking homes. The media go batshit crazy and outright accuse us all of being racist, xenophobe, trans, homophobes. And now with Blumenthal's soundbite in today's podcast, we need re-education. Yeah. No, no, they don't support Trump because they like Trump. They don't support Trump because they're proud of his Twitter feed. No. 
they're starting to support Trump. A lot of fence pullers like me, I'm in the middle because you're a bunch of fucking moon bats. My fears of I vote for a Democrat, they're going to push the crazy shit we just talked about in this segment. Will you get credit if you get thrown in jail in college for civil disobedience against a fucking woman? Susan Collins. I am still in shock because any other time you do that, the feminazis on a goddamn campus will rip your balls off. But Susan Collins, fuck that cunt. We can attack her all we want. Do you see how far it's gone? Some will say my Ali Akbar with the protesters is oh so sensational. That's what you are, people. You have become ISIS. Resistance ISIS? You may not be killing people, but your serious, your version of America, politics, and belief are as extreme to America as ISIS is to Islam. You're a bunch of fucking, just, you've gone off the edge, man. You need some help. You need some serious help. So, this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. Send emails about comments about the segments or to suggest segments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcast gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, <coughs> Google Play, Blueberry, and Stitcher. I fucked that up because I just swallowed a bug. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T.com, FOPpodcast.com. It's a theme. To see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page and email us, there you'll see a link to every episode on the episode release page. Our next podcast is going to be 12 October, year of our Lord, 2018. Once again, I make the pilgrimage to Cheeseland. I have two gigantic coolers. I am ready for meats and cheeses. I'm going to be freaking Mrs. Goldberg, and I'm going to buy out their meats and cheeses, as she said on last night's episode. Stock up on brats, lamb, curds, curds, all sorts of curds. Every type of curd they have, I'm buying it. I'm going to try to get some elk. I'm going to try to get some fucking buffalo because I found a place that sells buffalo and I really can't get buffalo down here. I'm going to eat massive quantities of fucking horrible food and drink lager. Oh, yeah. And that'll be part of the next podcast. I'm going to cover my journey, try to get some videos. I'm bringing a recorder with me because this, and I mean this not to disparage Islam, is my trip to Mecca. This is some big-ass shit for me. I am stoked. So, until then, y'all stay safe out there. Make sure to disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. Listen to the back catalog while you, you'll miss only missing one show, but um, there's plenty out there. I saw uh, 170 listens the other day, and they weren't to the last podcast. So, some of you are finding we have uh, almost 270 files on SoundCloud. So, go back to the back catalog and tune in on the 12th. Did I say the 12th? What did I say? I don't even know what the hell I said. Let me see what I said. What did I say? The 12th, yeah. The 12th for our next exciting episode of Flyover Politic Podcast, where hopefully we won't be talking about fucking Kavanaugh anymore. And we'll move on to the next crazy, embarrassing scheme the Democrats are doing to 
take power. It'll be fun. As always, thanks for listening. And take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.